Welcome to the Creating Superstars at Work podcast. Welcome to the Creating Superstars at Work podcast. Welcome to today's episode of Creating Superstars at Work. This is probably one of the meatiest subjects that I know that I work with and I suspect that you work with, Kath, and it's to do with fear. So we're going to deep dive into dealing with fear. And what's fascinating about fear is that fear in the workplace often manifests as something from as mild as I'm concerned about something, I don't want to do something, I don't like something, right the way through to I am petrified and I feel like I'm going to spontaneously combust because I have to stand in front of that person and talk to them and everything in between, right? So when we're looking at fear, and this is such a huge topic for us, I'm trying to keep it on point today because this could be a series in itself where we just talk about different aspects of fear. So we're going to focus on what does fear look and feel like? We're going to focus on how you can take action if you are identifying with fear. We're going to talk about self-management and we're also going to talk about some of the fear behaviours that we see in the workplace, which are really subtle, but can actually be incredibly toxic. So, Kath, what does fear feel like? Right. So fear feels different for everybody. So when I'm coaching my clients or training clients around fear and what it looks and what it feels like, what I tend to say to them is, I want you to think back to a time where you felt really fearful of something and tell me where you feel it physically in your body, how it manifests itself. So for me, um, it manifests itself in the heart, in the chest. So if I'm feeling fear, my heart rate would increase to the point where it increase it can increase so much sometimes that it feels like people actually can, can see, see it. It's yeah. like that acme kind of like Looney Tunes oh, character with a heart beating out. Absolutely, totally. Some of the other common ways that fear manifests itself physically then as well is a lot of people get get it in the tummy. I get it in my tummy and my throat. My throat constricts, I lose my voice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sweaty hands. Yeah. So heat. Yeah. Some people get very, very hot. Some people feel it in their voice. So their Mm. voice starts to shudder. Yeah, 100%. And it starts to shake. And you probably see loads of that with your voice Loads and loads. And I used to get really tense with fear. I didn't identify with fear. I used to get wound up instead of fearful. And people would think that I was angry, but actually I was scared. And we also know that like Star Wars tells us that fear leads to anger, leads to hate, leads to the dark side, right? So fear is the forerunner for it all. Yeah, because it makes us stressed out and it makes us worried. And the more frightened we are, the less likely we are to do something about it because the fear level is so significant. So let's talk about the impact of that on you. So if you don't take action, you don't sort it out quickly, or you don't nip it in the bud, you can end up with issues like insomnia. So Mm. being unable to sleep because you're churning it over. Too much cortisol in the body, right? At the end of the day, when you're fearful, there's cortisol in your body. Now, cortisol is our get up and go hormone. So it's essential for us to be able to do stuff. But if you have too much of it, it screws everything up. You can't sleep. You can't breathe properly. You can't think properly. You can't be creative because all of the synapses in your brain shut down because you're in fight, flight, freeze. And what's fascinating about that is it can really damage your body because it upsets all of the hormonal systems and it can really manifest physically. So when you see people who have got 
often things like skin complaints like psoriasis or eczema or these types of things is often fear-induced. Often that is to do with stress. Stress is a code word for fear, as is control. The other thing I want to just touch on though is that sometimes fear can be a good thing. So sometimes we need a bit of that get up and go. Sometimes we need to work to the deadline or we need to feel a little bit fearful of what might happen if we don't get something done. The plight of high achievers is that they have this drive behind them. What I would always like to say is it's much more positive to have a momentum of what you're going towards and what your dream is. But I do know that it's really common that most people are driven by fear. Yeah. So it's about levels of fear, isn't it? Yeah. you know, before I run a, a training or a coaching program or before I go on a stage and do public speaking, I know for a fact that the day that my heart stops racing before I do that is the time to stop mm. because I need that certain amount of adrenaline. I need that certain amount of fear to give me the power and the drive to deliver the best that I can possibly deliver. And I love what you just said, because we know that the synapses in the brain between excitement and fear are like a millimetre, less than a millimetre side by side. And so I don't know whether you picked up on what Cass just said, guys, but she said the adrenaline and the fear. And, you know, if you're really clever and you employ some mindset techniques, especially NLP and things like this, you can actually trick your brain when you're scared to feel excited. And it's a really interesting thing. It's used a lot for extreme sports guys and and it's used a lot for people who are performers and people who have to get up on stage and speak. So there are ways in which you can deal with fear, be it positive or negative, where you can leverage it. You can leverage fear. You can use fear to your advantage, where you can recognise that if you have any amount of fear in your body, it's going to change how you show up. It's going to change how you communicate. I know that I'm horrible to be around if I'm in fear. I'm snappish and I can't really think properly. And I'm more likely to be emotional if I'm scared. That doesn't bode for good workplace ethics <laughs> and, and communication. So it's important for you to recognise it, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. So two points there. So for me, the first one is imposter syndrome, right? So if I'm in fear, I'm thinking emotionally, I'm not thinking rationally. And the type of language that I'm using when I'm talking to myself, because we all talk to ourselves. Do we? Are you sure, Absolutely. Yeah, we do. Uh, We're not going to call it talking to ourselves. Uh, We're going to call it- In a dialogue. In a dialogue, yeah. So we get stuck in a rut. We get really, really stuck with the type of things that we're saying to ourselves when we're in fear. And they form our limiting beliefs, which are really powerful. They do. And couple that with imposter syndrome as well. So imposter syndrome is that voice in your head that says, you can't do this. It's your not good enough voice, right? And look, let's be really clear about this, guys. The disease of not being good enough or not feeling good enough or not thinking that you're not good enough is the 21st century disease. Okay, so we are in a culture where we sadly are subconsciously subjected to comparing ourselves across the board. So that comparisonitis thing, thinking that we can always do bigger, faster, stronger, harder. There's always higher to climb. There's always more to earn. There's always more to do. There's always more to see. All of this stuff. And there's an invitation here for you, actually, while we're talking about this, because actually, again, this is another subject, but it's so important when we're talking about imposter syndrome, because self-worth is where it's at. And if you know who you are and you're okay with who you are, the fear that you then feel intermittently will be fear which you can identify 
you can work with, you can have a conversation with, you can embrace and you can use actually to enhance in who you are. Yeah, you, you've hit the nail on the head there. It's about the self-awareness, the ability to recognise what's going on with you. So sometimes I can feel the physical manifestations of fear with my heart racing, my breath rate sort of increasing but not actually consciously know that yeah, I yeah. am in fear. You don't identify with it. That, yeah. And that's really important. So, But I am self-aware enough now to identify with that. And the other thing that I identify with really clearly now is imposter syndrome. And I use visualising to be able to handle it, to be able to deal with it. So as soon as I hear that voice in my head, the saying, you can't do this or you'll never be able to achieve it, all those negative things... I visualise my imposter on my shoulder and my imposter is Dobby. Mine's called Sylvia. From Harry Potter. <laughs> so I visualise him sitting on my shoulder, you know, pointing at me. saying, Dobby's all a good though. He's a good guy. <laughs> no, no, How no. could it be Dobby? We don't like him. Um, so <laughs> when I, I feel it and I can hear it in my head, I literally flick Dobby off my shoulder. So I'm consciously and with awareness, recognising when I'm in fear, and doing something to get rid of it. So it's interesting. I've got a different approach and it's it's not dissimilar. My approach is a little bit gentler. So I think we should really respect our fear. And I think it's always trying to communicate to us. And for me, fear is trying to keep us safe. That's it. It's just trying to keep us yeah. safe. It's part of our subconscious. And hmm. it may be from a limiting belief, which has been instilled in us from growing up or from an experience that we've had. It may be completely an irrational fear. I'm scared of spiders. It's completely irrational. You know, it doesn't really make sense. However, what I do know is that when we feel those emotions, it's because something in our brain or in our bodies has told us that we're unsafe and it's just trying to keep us safe. So what I now do is I do something a little bit, you might think is a little bit crazy, but this is what I do as I literally have a conversation with it. And I will say to my fear, I am so grateful that you are keeping me safe. But right now I need you to get behind me because right now I need to go forward. So rather than flicking it off, and I know that will work for some people, for me, I'm just like, I know you're trying to keep me safe. I'm going to come back to you when I need you. I know you're always there. I just need you to stand behind me now because actually I need to go forward. And with you by the side of me or in front of me, I can't go forward. Yeah. So fear, get behind me. Thank you very much. Have a nice day. Go and have a coffee somewhere. And I love that. I'm going to try that, definitely. It, it really works. It's really interesting. And it's like, it's about understanding that fear is an essential emotion that we were born with. It's one of the only essential emotions that we were born with, we were born with five. It's not something that we should resist. It's not something that we should just, you know, push away. It's actually something that we should respect and have a conversation with and then make a choice about whether that fear is valid or not. Because sometimes that fear is valid, right? Some, mm. Like if we're walking down a dark alleyway and, and the hairs on our back of the neck go up, or if we meet somebody and we're like, oh, I'm not sure about that person. Or if we see some food and, you know, our instinct is like, no, we don't want to eat that. That's actually our fear communicating to us to keep us safe. The same as with our kids. How fearful are we with our kids, right? Like so fearful. And it's like, but actually we we feel justified in doing that because our job is to keep our children safe. So I think when we're looking at fear, and I know we've gone off topic slightly, but this is really important because fear is fear is fear is fear. It doesn't matter whether you're in the workplace. It doesn't matter whether you're at the workplace. It doesn't matter if you're a parent. It doesn't matter whether you're individual. It doesn't matter what gender, race, creed, colour. It doesn't matter. Fear is fear is fear. And how it manifests in you 
I think it's really important for you to identify that as the conversation has gone just now with Kath and I, but then it's really important for you to know what to do with it. So we've just given you two different tactics and both work. One of the things I would say to you is please don't repress it because when you repress fear, it turns into anger. And this is actually the really toxic behaviours that we often see in the workplace. So this is where passive aggressiveness will surface. This is where control and micromanaging will surface. This is where... Oh, my favourite word narcissism. And you love that narcissism, don't you? But it's true. <laughs> so so when you have people who are unaware of the fact that they do not have any space for other people in their lives and they're unaware of how hurtful their behaviour can be and narcissism comes from fear. So it's really interesting. All of those ego behaviours, and we see it all the time in leadership, guys, all the time. So the higher you climb, especially depending on what type of culture you have in your organisation. It could be that you are in a seen-to-be-there culture. And if you're in that culture, sadly, a lot of the judgments will be ego-based. So they will be based from how you look, what you say, what car you drive, what clothes you've got on, how you show up, what your sales results are, all of this type of stuff. And sadly, ego comes from fear, which means that if you've got somebody who's got a big ego, and typically it tends to be in sales departments or in kind of marketing departments and often in the boardroom, actually, I do have to say often we see it in the boardroom too. And we also see it in high flyers. So you can see it in people who might be new recruits who feel like they're too good to be in the role that they are and they want to climb. And sometimes that can just come out in very destructive and toxic behaviours, very sadly, especially when the intention of that person is to do good. So looking at how fear is very subtle in the workplace in particular, and that is to do with the inability to delegate. That's a fear behaviour. The inability to have challenging conversations. That's a fear behaviour. Fear of conflict, huge, massive in the workplace, right? And it all comes back down to control as well, doesn't it? All of it, it does. And control again is Huge one of those code words of fear, isn't it? One of the best ways for me, so when I'm coaching clients who are going through big, huge times of fear and lack of confidence or lack of self-worth, my main priority is to say to them, you need to take action because mm. that first step, you always feel lighter after you take action. And that it's empowering load. and it and it changes the needle, doesn't it? Because suddenly you're in a place of, I can't do anything about this. I'm scared. I'm not good enough. I don't know what to do. I'm stuck. Yes. To suddenly, even that first step it's, can change everything, can't it? It's amazing. And just to see the change in people's behaviour when they take that first step. But quite often when we're in fear, we need the guidance and support of somebody to help us take that first step. We help need, you negotiate it, yeah, right? Or we need our hand held a little bit, or we need to be cutched a little bit, you know, however. Cutch is a Welsh word for snuggle, guys. <laughs> I'm not telling you to break personal space in the workplace, by the way, but we're saying sometimes you need a soft landing, right? Well, it, it, let's talk about, you know, people returning back to the workplace and the, the fear that surrounds that. One of the things that we do as employers to take action is that we give people the resources that they need to make them feel safe. So we give them hand sanitizer and 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 we make sure that people are socially distanced in the workplace. So we're providing them with stuff, if you like. They're like safety nets, aren't they? Yeah, there's going to take the fear away yeah. a, a little bit. And then, you know, as leaders, one of the other things then that we should be doing is 
providing the resource of being able to have an open dialogue about our fears mm. and our challenges. Without you feeling like fear is a weakness. This is the really interesting yeah, thing. Yeah, absolutely. Because that's why in the workplace it's often resisted, isn't it? It's often mm. like, you know, pushed under the carpet or, you know, thought of as a weakness. And it's not actually, if you negotiate and you work with your fear, it can end up being your greatest power. And we know how much power there is in vulnerability. Again, another conversation. Yeah. And, you know, when we as leaders, when we open up dialogue about challenges and fear, it can lead to really, really positive change. So it's something from from a leadership perspective that we need to get our heads around. And people are afraid to go there. They're afraid to use the word fear because they've got fear inside themselves around possible conflicts or not being able to provide the right solution to a problem. But in order for leadership to be authentic, you need to be able to embrace your own fear and also the fear of others. You do. And this is where the language piece comes in. And I know how hot you are on, on language. So one of the ways in which you can identify whether somebody is in fear on your team or in the workplace or even at home is to look out for keywords like, I feel uncomfortable or a resistance to doing a task. And it looks like they're being lazy or it looks like they're procrastinating or procrastination again is a code word for fear. So be really mindful when you're looking and observing people because sometimes what looks like them stalling or what looks like them being obstinate or what looks like them being lazy is often simply that they're they're in fear. And their fear can be as mild as I don't think we should be doing that. I'm a bit concerned right the way through to I'm not coming into work unless I've got three masks to wear and goodness knows what else, you know, it, it can it can manifest in very different ways. We have done a huge deep dive into fear and we could talk about this literally, I reckon we could talk about it for like five hours straight with just a bit of coffee on the side. So we've opened up some really interesting comments there around fear and we would love to know what your experience is because we know that this is a huge driver within the workplace. And actually, while the content of this podcast is aimed towards people who work in corporate, we know that fear literally drives behaviour, whether you're self-employed, whether you're just going through your life, whether you are in the workplace, whether you're a leader, whether you're newly promoted, whether you're not in the right job, whether you're about to go for a new job, the whole shebang, there's always fear. Fear is always in the car on the journey with you, right? It's your choice whether you give fear access to the brake, the sat nav or the steering wheel. I suggest you don't. What I suggest you do is you let fear be part of the conversation, embrace it, understand when you feel scared and ask yourself why you feel like that and what can you do about it. And with that, I think we're going to leave it there. We would really love to know your experiences, really love to know what your comments are about this, and we will see you next time. You've been listening to the Creating Superstars at Work podcast, brought to you by andinspireme.com. We are Inspire Me an award-winning people development company that specializes in corporate engagement, workplace happiness, and well-being for customer service organizations. You can contact us on hello at andinspireme.com.